You are listening to episode 25 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. My name is Scott Duvall, and as usual, my co-hosts on the show are Will Leach and Tony Waller. The dogs got back on the winning track against Kentucky, posting a 27-3 victory over the Cats on Saturday. On offense, we saw five different players taking snaps at quarterback for the dogs as they unveiled their version of the Wildcat offense. And on defense, Jeremy Pruitt's guys held Kentucky to a season-low 180 total yards. It was a strange and tumultuous week for the dogs leading up to this game, and even Coach Richt had to go to Twitter himself on Thursday to squash all rumors and innuendo. It's a short one today, but packed with thoughts and analysis. So here's Will to start us off. One of the things we talked about this week was how we needed Georgia just to look better, just so we could feel a little better about Earth. <laughs> like, and we just needed the particularly the offense. They didn't put up fifty points, but they put up twenty-seven. And frankly, I don't know about you guys, but I didn't really feel like this game was as close as twenty-seven to three. No, I, I like I said, I, I would take to win twenty-seven or twenty-one to twenty-one to three if we had seven competent drives. You can look back at the box score. We had four drives in more than five minutes. We just really dominated the clock. I have no complaints about this game. I mean, if I were to complain just a little bit, it'd be I felt like our play calling around in the red zone got a little clunky again. But for the most part, the game was never. I mean, even even at ten to three, I never felt like we were going to even be remotely losing this game. Well, Tony, the question I have is, did you take Uber home? No, I didn't take Uber home. <sighs> so it wasn't that great. <laughs> well, I, I was given specific instructions about that by my wife. This will happen. I ended Thursday's show as I was kind of doing the outro with the mention of if anything breaks on Georgia football, and I was referencing the swirling firestorm that enveloped the program last week, especially on Thursday, and I was saying how we would do our best to do a special report show or throw up a podcast in response to what happened. And I truly thought we were going to have to do that at the time of the recording on Thursday, but nothing happened. So I guess that's a good thing. It's worth noting that like nothing actually did seem to happen. There were all these talks. Uh, there were reporters claiming that Pruitt's cleaned out his office and so on. You know, I understand that a lot. You know, you can get things settled down a little bit, and maybe there wasn't quite as much to the story as it seemed. But there was a little bit more than the team and the coaching staff would want to let on. But certainly, you know, you would have thought on Thursday afternoon that Mark Richt had gone out and publicly executed his coaching staff and then set a lowly student assistant on fire. Like it is worth noting that nothing has actually happened yet and may not tell. And speaking specifically to this game, I know that there's a temptation. Everyone feels a little better. You just can't help but feel a little better after a game where you dominate. Not to be devil's advocate bad guy here, but like Kentucky is worse than I thought they were. And it is worth knowing that, like, if there's one thing that I found frustrating watching the game Saturday, I feel like, oh, this is the game plan they should have had for Florida. Well, and I think part of that is, and part of my frustration, I think I tweeted this yesterday, is that the fact that they ran one wildcat against Florida, and they didn't really install the Godwin package until this week. But, you know, it was clear that we were able to do some things with wildcat. And Florida is a much, much, much better defensive team than Kentucky is. But, again, this is what we should do against a bad running team. I and mean, we should just, I mean, we had 300 yards rushing on 55 carries. You know, there's transitive properties don't really matter, but let's be clear. Florida won this game 14 to three. Auburn won this game 30 to 27. I mean, Georgia manhandled them. And yeah, they were without Boone Williams. They were without two of their best offensive weapons, but that doesn't change the fact that offensively, we pretty much did what we wanted to do with them. And it was never, it was never a question of, 
you know, even when we fumbled back the interception, there was never a question in my mind that we didn't have firm control of this game. This is exactly what we wanted to do with them when we had the ball. Another thing that it's worth knowing that yes, Georgia kind of did whatever it wanted, except throw the ball. <laughs> I mean, they may they may not have wanted or right. needed to throw the ball, but it's worth noting that you know Lambert, <clears throat> while starting yesterday, and this it was kind of sad to think. I turned to Scott before the game started. I'm like, yo, I actually feel better with Lambert I feel, as a quarterback. <laughs> I feel kind of yeah. guilty saying that after hammering him all year, but after watching Bounty, just it felt like a little better. But listen, Lambert was not impressive yesterday. Ramsey was not impressive, at least throwing the ball. I love the idea that Ramsey is just a perfect weird coded in this season. Co- Ramsey is not only the punter now, but a really good one. <laughs> like it's, it's kind of a nice touch. But you know, to me, they didn't have to throw the ball yesterday. And frankly, it's probably a good thing because when they did throw it, they didn't look that great throwing it. Well, I guess that's the way of looking at it is that they didn't feel like they needed to. And I think the game plan really contemplated them throwing the ball more than 15 times. I think what was 9-11 for 14? Is that what it was? I don't remember the numbers now. So, you know, I think you're right. I think the offense, particularly the passing offense, has been pared down. That's the bad news. The good news is that if you look at statistically, none of the teams we have left are real great uh, running defenses. Now, if you had an eye on Auburn, Texas A&M last night, Auburn certainly looks like they have a little bit of their offensive mojo back. I don't know how much of that's a product of A&M's defense or whatever. And then their defense looked pretty good against Texas A&M. But, you know, we've all been kind of – well, we – I've been waiting on Texas A&M's offense to implode, and they're basically playing two freshman quarterbacks, and they're – their offensive scheme is this looks like a bad Applebee's menu. It's just like, hey, we do some of this, we do some of that, and we do a little of this and that, and, and I don't know, you know. They have no real – I mean, they have less of an offensive philosophy than we do, which is not great because you're asking your players to learn way too much in the time allotted. So the thing I take away from it is it was nice to have a game where we did what we wanted to do offensively. We started the game – for me, even early in the game when it wasn't didn't feel like it was working particularly great – we didn't shy away from doing what we wanted to do. And especially in the fourth quarter, that really paid off because we broke off a couple of you know, 15 to 20 yard runs. That was just really a product of Kentucky's defense looking like our defense did against Florida. Certainly, this was a good game for Pruitt with all, everything that's going on. You know, you see him, he's so excitable on the sidelines and that defense. Really, this should have been a shutout. It could have very easily been a shutout. It was a, a weird uh, turnover that really cost them. But all told, that this could have been a shutout. Kentucky, you know, while not having a great offense, has scored on the te- some teams this year. But, you know, you can start to see some of the defense getting a little healthier and starting to come together in a way that, you know, this was the plan all along, run the ball and have the defense carry the rest of the way. They looked as good as I thought they've looked all year yesterday. Yeah, the defense, I looked at the – rankings of uh, team offense and defense. I didn't even look at offense, really, because that would make me really sad. But Georgia's defense is pretty darn good. It's ranked 15th nationally in total yards allowed. And then I started looking at some of the teams we've played. Bama's ranked third. Florida's ranked fifth. Missouri's ranked 10th. Even Vandy is ranked 19th. So we've played against a lot of good defense. And with our struggling offense, that's why we've seen the product on the field that we've seen. And for what it's worth, the upcoming opponents, Georgia Southern is no pushover. They are ranked 21st in defense. Now they played a Sunbelt schedule. So take that for what it's worth. But Auburn is ranked 90th. So Will Muschamp and his defense really hasn't done much for Auburn. And that's probably why they're in the position they are in. So we should 
with the emergence of Sony Michelle and Terry Godwin helping out, <laughs> if you will, under quarterback, be able to move the ball and maybe score some points and then add that with our pretty good defense. I'm hoping and looking for a good victory on the Plains this coming Saturday. We haven't talked yet about what happened Thursday. <laughs> we have not actually have talked that and you know, I don't know if we want to get into the too much detail about it, but it does seem a commentary on the general state of everything going on and the general state of the fan psychology a little bit that such a day could happen one frankly so little hard news <laughs> and so so little actual confirmation uh it was it was a day i didn't really participate in i just kind of observed it from afar but that was insane. That was a really, and I know what social media does. I know it revs stuffs up in a lot of way. But there was a, that was a lot of chaos and a lot of madness going to the point that Rick had to tweet about it uh, to settle everybody down. What did you guys take of that as longtime Georgia observers? Had you seen a day like that? Does it mean anything? Did a win just erase it? Just what were your general takeaways from everything that went down that day? I mean, I think it's the craziest day since the whole Glenn Mason fiasco and we ended up with Donnan as far as, you know, the rumors and that sort of thing. And I think the the hard part about it to me is, well, to answer your question, no, there hasn't been a day that crazy easily in 20 years. And then you throw in social media. I think the funny thing about it is that regardless of what happens with the season, unless everything that's said on Thursday actually, let's assume that actually comes true. You know, if it doesn't come true, in some way it's just another coda in what has been the weirdest season where, you know, we 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 go to UVA and get a quarterback that comes to school in August and is up with a starting job and then we fire in the eighth games for a third stringer. Oh, by the way, the second string quarterback is the best punter on the team and you know, and then that third string quarterback actually goes back and plays scouting team safety. And then, you know, these rumors about Pruitt's office being cleaned out and, you know, Fisticuffs and you know these are just purely rumors on you know stuff that anybody can read. That's may not even be in the strangest part of the season. That's just, it's just crazy. I mean, it's it's almost like and to address address some of those rumors. I don't know what's happening, but that sort of thing when it's reported by multiple outlets, that's not made up unless they are really 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 good at at you know college football intelligence reverse intelligence tradecraft and i don't think they are yeah i don't know where it started from i, w- I would love to find out i don't know when the book comes out <laughs> down the road how that all started because i'm sitting here thinking maybe um colin barber started it because he's upset that he lost the starting punting job i don't know <laughs> wow nice so but, but but will simply to address what you're talking about with the rumors i think it was nice to see the team come out and it looked like the defense played with a lot of fire. It looked like the offense actually played with a lot of fire. One thing I noticed, I don't know if y'all noticed, is Coach Rick was, it felt like he was a lot closer to Brian Schottenheimer this game. When I say closer, I mean physically closer, and he had a play sheet this week. I mean, he's had play sheets in the past, but I, I wonder how much Coach Rick was looking over his shoulder. And I'm not saying he was, I'm not saying he was, I'm just curious how much he was. Take a step back. You know, look at Georgia's three losses this year. You've lost to Alabama, a team now that looks to be primed to be in the college football playoff and potentially number two even uh, heading into that uh, unless unless any of Clemson loses, uh, number one. You've got Florida, a team that has only lost one game 
uh, on the road to a good LSU team. And then you've got the Tennessee game, which is a game where they lost Nick Chubb on the first play of the game. And still was crazy, and they probably could have tied it up and should have tied it up had it not been for a drop at the end of the game. The thing that I say all the time that, that I, I get a little confused about this fan base, the sky is not actually falling this year. You've got some bad breaks and some weird things have happened, and you would think that, uh, sure, Florida game, Definitely ugly, no question. And certainly what we saw going into that game uh, was maybe not the best handling of expectations or maybe the handling of, of personnel. But the idea, you know, listen, this is not a particularly great Georgia team, but, uh, you know, all three of their losses, two of them are to, are to two of the, you know, now going to be the top uh, 10 teams in the country. And another one that happened after your Heisman Trophy candidate got hurt in the first play of the game and he still could have won on the road. Uh, against a decent SEC team. Is everybody overreacting or is this just the culmination of years of frustration and it's not about this year, it's about years of the past? I think it's years of frustration because if you trace it back, I think Mark Bradley did a good job on his post in the AJC kind of documenting all of the middle-tier bowl games that they've been in without even one jump up to a national Big time, you know, now it's the college football playoff, but in the old days of the BCS, just something like a major bowl game. And the last time we were in the Sugar Bowl was, correct me if I'm wrong, 2005 against West Virginia. Was that the last like major bowl game we played in? And there's just so many times. Seven, seven against Hawaii. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's kind of easily for Colt, Colt, uh, what's his name? Colt Brennan still has nightmares about yeah. uh, Marcus Howard in that game. But yeah, it's just continually going to belt bowls and outback bowls and citrus bowls and playing yawner type opponents from the Big Ten or the ACC or we might only lose three games, but it's just there's no juice even in the national media. You want to you want to tune in college football live and hear Danny Cannell talking about Georgia football and this and that, but you just don't even see it. You barely even see a highlight. First off, I disagree agree with a little bit of the assessment and I understand what you're saying, Scott, but I don't view the Citrus Bowl as a meh bowl. I mean, that is, you know, that's the second pick in the SEC. Now, having said that, I think it is a culmination in the fan base because we've had a lot of seasons where we came in, especially in the past three seasons, where we came in and we lost to, you know, maybe one of the best teams on our schedule. And I think this year we probably have lost to probably the three best teams on our schedule, but I think we're uh, in the end of the season, the Tennessee's game going to be like, you know, how do we lose to them? You know, yeah, we lost Chubb. Yeah, we gave up 14 points inside the, you know, inside of two minutes at the half and all of that. But I, I think Georgia fans are tired of saying, Georgia fans are tired of not being the best team on, on every team's schedule. And I think that's the hard part about it. Is that fair? I don't really know. But, you know, we have... You know, I think at the end of the season, we're not going to look at the the Florida and the and the Alabama losses and say they were quote unquote bad losses just by nature of the, of how well this team seasons turned out. Now, there is a good argument that at this point, should we really be behind Florida with all the turmoil they had? I think that's the source of the problem that a lot of fans have. One nice thing about this Kentucky game is, again, Kentucky is not a great team. But you just, you know, it's like we talked about all week. Everyone feels a little better. It just feels good to stomp on someone's neck, even if it's Kentucky uh, in a lot of ways. But, of course, this is what we said about the team the last four games of the year. There are no good wins. There are only bad losses that will make everybody freak out. 
looking at Auburn yesterday, who's looking better, uh, and certainly not to what people thought they were at the beginning of the year, but they're certainly looking improved. Is that loss, if they, if, if they you know, we'll, we'll preview that game this week. Are we an Auburn loss away from everybody freaking out again? I think we're one, any of the last three games, loss away from people freaking out again, honestly. I mean, because I, I think all three games are winnable uh, when you just look at the statistical matchup. Now, having said that, you know, of, of the three teams left, Auburn's the one that concerns me the most based on how they looked last night. But that was just one game. They basically said they played the same offensive lineup they played against Jacksonville State last night. And, you know, Jeremy Johnson finally looked like the quarterback everyone thought. Maybe it's November. Maybe he just plays well in November. I don't know. I think at this point, any getting any wins is far better than getting losses, whether people want to admit it or not. And most people just want to be mad, and that's fine. Maybe they just want to be mad. It's, you know, hey, I can admit that Georgia fans can be like Matt fans sometimes. Let me go into the bowl projections. I, I kind of did a quick search online. SB Nation how do how does Nashville sound against an ACC team that they have us projected as playing NC State in the Music City Bowl? I guess you could call that the Jim Donnan Bowl. Uh, CBS Sports has us playing Pat Fitzgerald in the Outback Bowl in Northwestern. <laughs> and Go uh, <laughs> Campus Insiders, Pete Futak, is that how you pronounce his name? Pudiak, yeah. Yeah, he had an interesting point where he thinks Bama will make the playoffs, which will put LSU into the Sugar Bowl. I guess he thinks they'll win out as well. And then has, this is interesting, has Florida in the Peach Bowl, which I think that's a lot of SEC teams in the top bowl games. I don't think that'll happen. But then that would pit Georgia in the Citrus Bowl playing whoever loses the Big Ten championship. So based on those scenarios, UGA would have to win, of course, the final three games of the season, which, in my opinion, that's debatable. Yes, but the real question is, where do they have Illinois? Drive for six. We're one win away. I didn't look up Illinois. What? Why? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, uh, the quick lane, quick lane bowl in Detroit. Oh, yeah. I think that sounds about right. Who doesn't want to be in Detroit on December 26th? Do you guys feel – do you guys think they're going to win these last two games? Do you think looking at the way they played against Kentucky that this is a team – and if they – you know, the problem is we talked about everybody freaking out if they lose one of these last three. But it's not like they're going to get any points. This is the general problem with Georgia football: is you get no credit for wins, for for good wins. You only give credit for bad losses. I, I liked the Auburn game at noon. I think that helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, it helps keep their crowd less lubricated. You know, it's eleven o'clock local time kickoff, and for whatever reason, that has not been a great time slot for the for Auburn for the Georgia Auburn game. Um, so, you know, when you look at Georgia Southern, their defense is really good. And, you know, they played some Sunbelt, Sunbelt stuff. I don't have any idea what a rushing defense is. But a couple of weeks ago, after, I think after an App State game, I looked at it, and they were you know, middle of the road nationally, uh, maybe a little lower and rushing defense, which made me feel pretty good. Uh, and then Georgia Tech has their own set of problems. Uh, but, you know, that's always a different game just because of the dynamic and the, and the rivalry. I think all three are winnable. I think any one of the three are losable. But I'll be honest, right now, the one if we're going to lose one, it feels like Auburn based on the way they played their way their offense played last week. Yeah, I think we'll win all three. I mean, I'm I'm kind of as much as I like to be kind of pragmatic about everything, and I get kind of up and down. I, I pretty much am a homer when it comes to picking Georgia, and I can see the good and what they've done. And I I do agree with you, Tony, on your point about the eleven 
a.m. Central Time kickoff. That's big, and that's played into Georgia's hands in the past. I remember the the three interception game by Trey Battle, and we we really had no business winning that game, and we we put it on him. And there's been a couple other times when we've had that early kickoff in Auburn, and we've come out with a victory. So I think that we're probably going to win our last three games. But Will, I want to ask you a question that you asked me: Is this the year? Like, say that, say it works out like how Campus Insiders uh, Pete Futek picked it to where Georgia would be playing in a Citrus Bowl against like a Michigan and Ohio State or a Michigan State. Is this the team or the year that you want to play a Jim Harbaugh team or an Urban Meyer in a bowl game based on what we've seen on the field? No, no, I don't think you want to play any of those teams. I think you if you get Michigan State, I think Georgia could beat Michigan State. But we, we yeah, but we've we've seen that movie. We've played them and Nebraska twice in the past seven years. Yeah, that's the good news. There is no way you're going to play Nebraska this year. So there's there's a positive thing. There is yeah. no third game in four years uh, against Nebraska. Uh, but yeah, if you if it gets to that Michigan point, and listen, you know this is a question I I ask I say this every time. But if Georgia wins this next three games, which we all sort of agree that they're they should be favored to, and we would be surprised if they didn't. They are a bowl win away from another ten game, ten win season. This everything is falling apart. Uh, we, everyone's cleared out their office. Everything is falling apart. They will have once again won ten games. And I'm sorry, I don't care how much uh, <laughs> you guys have watched other SEC teams win championships when you wanted them. You do not get to be unhappy about a ten win season. You just don't. And as far as I'm concerned, if I'm a coach, if I'm an outside coach thinking, wow, I, I don't know. I mean, Georgia's a good job. But wait, they're going to be angry at me if I win 10 games. To me, that's where it goes beyond the what we expect of Rick and what this program is supposed to be and more about a fan base that frankly can't appreciate a 10-win season. Preach, brother. Preach. So... Uh, but okay, well, I'm sure we'll get more into that. Well, they have not actually won ten games yet, so <laughs> let's not let's not get too good away. But they are bowl eligible. Yesterday did confirm that Georgia is bowl eligible. So no quick lane bill for you. That's only for the big breaking programs. Breaking news. Breaking news. Nineteen was it? Ninety? <laughs> what was the last year? Ninety uh, seven. Was the last year they didn't go to a bowl game? Is that longer ago Six. than that? Ninety six. Ninety six. Yeah. So that's 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 a nice little streak. Every year you guys get to have, even if it's that sad Liberty Bowl. You always have some game to watch over the holidays. The best bowl game ever was the year that we played Virginia out in Hawaii, and it was Jim Donna's last game, and he just did not care. <laughs> it was so fun to watch. You remember that, Tony? No, oh, yeah, he was he was the honey badger man. <laughs> he was the honey badger. It was it was cool and glorious. It was like on Christmas Eve. <laughs> you know, it was so wacky. I don't know. And he was over there smiling with that big head of his with his uh <laughs> with that Hawaiian lay around his neck and just having the best time in the world. And we beat Virginia. And Champ Bailey did something amazing in that game. I I forget, but that was the third time we'd played Virginia in about a five year span in a ball game. Well, I like your odds of other seconds. I guarantee you, you're missing Nebraska, even though uh, no question there. So, all right. Well, we'll get back. We're gonna go. We're gonna. We'll be back for a regular show preview this week. This is, as far as I'm concerned, the biggest game left on the schedule. So we'll we'll try to bring our big guns on Tuesday, maybe appropriately prepared for. You know, I mean, uh, for Scott's least favorite SAC team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go dogs! Everyone have a great week. Uh, we'll see you guys uh, later on this week. All right. Good job, guys. All right, peace. Thanks. And thanks for listening. This podcast can be heard on SoundCloud, iTunes, or the Georgia Sports blog. 
That's the blog that Tony runs. You can tweet us at WSLS Podcast or individually. Let me give you those handles. Will Leach is at William F. Leach. Tony Waller can be found at Tyler Dogden. And you can reach me at Jawavi Films. That's J-A-W-A-V-I Films. Our next episode should be out on Thursday as Tony, Will, and I preview the 119th all-time meeting of Georgia and Auburn. Interesting fact here, the series is tied. Yep, after 118 meetings, Auburn's 155, Georgia has 155, and there's been eight ties. And that'll do it for today. So until next time, have yourselves a great week, and as always, we'll see you on campus.